Welcome to the Mega Blast Podcast. I'm your host, Jason McDonald. My goal is to get to the truth through conversation. The Mega Blast Podcast is produced by Arts and Opinion, an online journal housed at the Archives of Canada. Visit us at artsandopinion.com. I hope you enjoy today's guest. So, welcome, John Jordan. Thanks for coming on my podcast. Oh, thanks for having me, Jason. So, I'm here with John Jordan of Me, Mom, and Morgenthaler fame, and also a great uh, NDG resident or proud NDGer, right? Sure, yeah. I've, uh, I grew up in NDG um, from the age of four, and uh, I've lived there most of my life, and I'm uh, very much uh, ingrained in the community there. Yeah, I just I just wanted to mention that quickly. It occurred to me I've I've had a few NDG people. I want to plug my own podcast here a bit. Roy Epen, he ran for the Conservative Party of Quebec. Right, He's an NG guy. Tanya Maria, another political political person, and uh, another guy called Neil Muckerjee, who's a local. Oh, uh, they're with um, they're with uh, Team CDN NDG. Yes, that, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I, for a while, I was doing some political podcasts, but I just I found that so tedious. You know, <laughs> after the election, I was like, I'm just sick of that. I want to talk about stuff like music and stuff. And yeah, so the objective of this podcast is to talk basically about two things. The first thing we want to go through is um, mental health and the issues, some of the issues you've struggled with, mm-hmm. and talk about it generally. And then we're going to get into some music stuff later on. Um, so starting with the mental health, you know, just it, it, we could start with just saying, what exactly is it in the sense that, is it possible to say that there's a standard for a mentally healthy person? Or is that, is it all subjective? Um, I think, uh, I think everyone has moments in their life where they struggle with mental health issues. Um, and for, even for healthy people, it's, it's an occasional thing that they struggle with. But for people who have mental health conditions, it's something they struggle with chronically. It's something right. that uh, that's that's not just a few isolated incidents in life here or there that may have been triggered by life events, you know. Um, the, the 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 sort of you know someone breaking up with a boyfriend or girlfriend, yeah, depressed. These are yeah. So you would sort of divide people who have a condition. You might use the word condition. Yeah, right? condition. Because yeah. that implies some sort of perhaps a chemical issue of some kind in the body, perhaps that would be one that's, and that's how you categorize yourself. I don't want to get too personal about. You, uh, yeah. But. I, well, I, um, I was diagnosed as being, uh, as having bipolar disorder. I'm trying to train myself to say having instead of being. What's the um, difference? Well, when someone says I am bipolar, it's, it's like you can't like get out of it. It's yeah. like their identity. You know, <laughs> it's right, like right. I am. I'm not bipolar. laughing at that. It's just you're right. It's funny. And versus yeah. saying I have bipolar disorder, right. it's a it's a condition that you have, but it's it's not who you are. You know, yeah, that's, it doesn't define you as a person. Yeah. That, that that's a very interesting little distinction because. There's something. What it sounds like what you're saying there is you don't want it to control you, even though it's going to affect your life. You it don't does want affect it, your yeah. life. And it does control you very much. Um, that's the harsh reality of it, you know. Um, right. 
people who uh, suffer from bipolar disorder, uh, schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, um, OCD, uh, you know, a lot of these things. Um, it really, it really does. Uh, it's really hard not to let it take over your life and control your life, you know, and a lot of my, uh, a lot of my fortunes in life have been dictated by my mental health and uh, the conditions I've been in. It's, uh, it's affected a lot of the decisions I've made in life and what I've been able to do and what I've not been able to do. So, um, has it been, you, you say fortunes, it's affected your fortunes. So clearly that means you've struggled with it and had difficulties. Yeah. Well, I've, I've lost pretty much every job I've ever had, or I've walked away from every job I've ever walked away from, uh, for mental health reasons. Interesting. So, um, but I, what I was getting at is, has it also had any, like on, because then when you're bipolar, there's these manic swings. Do you think those upper swings, have you ever managed to capitalize on those? And right for sure. And yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I've yeah. been, um, you know, um, the reason um, bipolar is linked to the arts so much, there's so many people in the arts yeah. world who uh, who have mental health issues is just because of how creative you can be when you're, um, you know, not even full-blown manic, but hypomanic, where you're just like kind of just leaving that balanced, stable state and starting to go into mania mm -hmm. can be incredibly fruitful and creative. And some people are able to maintain that state like all the time, you know, be it, um, with, uh, with like substances like caffeine or sugar, you know, mm -hmm. um, can put you in a hypomanic state, um, or, or, uh, or street drugs or what have you, you know? So some people, so well, drugs definitely, I mean, you know, cocaine, for example, yeah, is known to basically, from what I understand about many of those street drugs, as you're calling them, uh, you know, they, they they chemically induce that sense of very positive feeling when you're when you really feel like you're connecting with a person or doing something you enjoy doing. It kind of replicates that cocaine does. As I yeah, it just right? it's just a it's dopamine explosion dopamine, in right. your head, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So and you so you get this inflated sense of well being, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, the essence of the question is, is quite deep. It's sort of like, I remember once I was having a discussion with a guy I know and, and he was sort of decrying the use of things like Prozac and stuff. And he, he said, you know, imagine if Van Gogh had taken, you know, sort of, and there's this idea that like an artist like Van Gogh or some genius like that, who clearly he must've had some mental health, mm -hmm. probably agree. If you just look at his paintings, it's like, there's something funny going on. So it raises the question, how much of your success as an artist could be like, you've suffered from this, but it may actually be the reason that you're a musician as well like I, it's yeah it's uh well it's the old cliche it's a blessing and a curse right you know um yes there are positive aspects to it you can have some incredible epiphanies when you're manic and you can yeah. have some life-changing thoughts that continue to persist long after the manic episode right. has faded you know you can completely alter your way of thinking about something um it's a very hard problem because you don't want to be living 
in this manic state going up and down like that because as you mentioned you're losing jobs and you're walking away from jobs and all this on the other hand it seems it seems to help you in a certain it's very difficult it's, i don't i don't really know how to think about that is what i'm trying to say i don't know how to put that together whether it's something because it's i can see the negative side i can also see a positive side do the two must they go together like do you have to accept both or is it possible to just try and get to a state where you're able to get to that hypomanic state often enough but not go off the rails and it's really tricky like yeah. i've never been able to do it that's for sure but i think in a way i i almost did because from about 2015 16 up until this year or 2022 last year um I had an incredible creative output. Yeah. Like I was I was writing every day. I was recording and releasing a track usually once a week or wow. two or three times a week. Um and you know, and that went on for like five years. And you were stable. And I was stable yeah. at that time, you right. know. Except for one brief I had a one week uh, hospitalization in two thousand nineteen, like right in the middle of it. Um, okay. and uh, but this, but sort of like that, just it's almost like brackets. I mean, like that's one small event at because those are very long, yeah. It's a long right? stretch for me to yeah. be stable, yeah. That's interesting. Um, so that, yeah, that's so it is possible at least to get to some kind of a stability where you're able to, to have a good output and feel good about yourself. And from a day to day, because you know, as I understand, I mean, that's a long time to go two or three years without any serious down. Yeah. That's, and that's, I, I felt, right? I felt like, you know, I felt that that was normal at the time. But now that I'm looking back on it from where I am now, after I've, you know, I had a manic episode uh, in early 2022 and I was hospitalized in March and then um, the crash of depression that came after that, that I'm still in now. Now, from the perspective of where I sit now and what I'm able to do now, which is like next to nothing, I'm like, well, you're useless. here doing this. I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. So maybe maybe but that this, can help. I don't know. It does. I, I was trying to think positive. It was good. It forced yeah. me to get out of my house, you know, oh, okay. because I That's never good. leave the house. I'm not writing songs. I'm not making music. I'm not designing yeah, anything. Wow. And it's been like that for uh, six months or wow. so. Yeah. So from this perspective, when I look back at how I was between 2017 mm. and 2022, writing and releasing all those songs, I'm thinking like, maybe I was a bit high that whole time. It's possible. And, uh, it's interesting. I mean, it, it yeah, it, it sounds to me, I mean, this is clearly, I don't know anything about this, but it sounds like a person with that... With what you're describing, it you probably can't get rid of it, right? I mean, as you meant, like you probably can't get to a point where it's completely in your past. So you might have to learn how to manage it. Is that is well? That it just makes me that? wonder. It's because uh, I I always it's kind of important for me to know whether or not I was manic that whole time. Yeah, yeah. Because like it does go. It is like a roller coaster of highs and lows. So, and the low is always much longer than the high. The high, mm -hmm. you can't sustain that for very long. So, That's what's so interesting about what you're saying yeah. about that time. And you, you're right? burning so much yeah. energy, right? Yeah. 
So the low is inevitably longer. So I'm just worried that if I was like slightly high for five or six years. Are you going to have 15 years? Am I going to have a 10-year low uh, after it? You know, so Interesting. it's just, um, yeah, boy, it makes that the, must be, that must be the prospects look, yeah. it's daunting. Yeah. It yeah. makes the prospects look kind of bleak, you know? That's um, interesting. I mean, that makes me think that if you did have to accept it, then there, is there a piece in the idea that, okay, well, I won't be able to get back to that state for perhaps years, but I can still get out of my house. I can still go and do a podcast, you know, I can still do something with my life and, and make my, my life have some kind of meaning, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, right now sense. I'm all about the baby steps, you know, yeah. I'm like, if I can, if I can go for a walk before noon, yeah. you know, if I can walk three blocks, walk around my block, whatever, like that's something, you know, I'm just really taking in like yeah, the okay. smallest things. Yeah. And like everything I do, I have to break it down into tiny steps, you know, if, I, if I'm sitting on the couch and I think that I have to wash the dishes. I'm like, okay, put one foot on the floor. Put right. The second literally, foot on the floor. literal baby Stand steps. Stand up yeah. and like talk right. myself through every little step. Amazing. You know? It's like, yeah. Well, I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm really impressed with that because, because you could, you, it seems brave to me for you to leave the house. I know that I don't mean to compliment you overly, but it's just, I, I know that, well, like, I've never been in such a state where I've been depressed where I didn't want to go out of my house, you know, but, but not, it, it never lasted for such a long time. And I never had to force myself to what you're describing. Yeah. So, so yeah, like just to, just to pay you a compliment, like it might be that if the, it's the best you can do to get out of the house and come over here and do a podcast, that's, that's amazing. Like, you know, you could be like, hey, I did something. Right? Yeah, no, you, I really, you know I um, <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you. I appreciate it. No, yeah. it, it, uh, it was, you know, it was something that, um, that I did have to push myself to do, and I have been trying to push myself to do more and get out more. Right. Um, and, and interact a little bit more. And also, I figured it was a good, it was like a free therapy session. I could yeah, talk about, yeah, yeah. I could talk about my mental health. Well, I'm also wondering if more than ten people listen to this podcast. <laughs> my my thinking was, like maybe someone would listen to it and maybe learn something about because people are suffering from these things and they don't want to admit yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Right, There's still know? a bit of a stigma around uh, mental health so. issues, you know, and people don't feel comfortable talking about. You know their their lows and stuff like that. Um, Definitely. It's, uh, and it's hard. I mean, like, you know, you. I think you mentioned a minute ago or maybe a friend did yesterday that, like, every person could benefit from therapy. I don't know if you said that a minute ago or maybe that's just in my mind from a friend yesterday said that. that and my mom used to say this, too, that every person could benefit from going to a therapist. Like, because everybody, everybody going through life is going to run up against challenges and suffering. And, you know, this is back to the division you made. You, you have the condition aspect which is harder to deal with when, than just the regular person who goes through life and just breaks up with their girlfriend gets depressed and has you know right but it could be that talking about it publicly like this there could be people who are suffering from that condition who are all are not aware of it or not ready to admit it and maybe they just need to hear somebody say that yeah you know, and i, I think know. even people who right? don't have a a mental health condition uh, have a lot to learn from listening to someone talk about what it's like to live with it, you know? Um, and uh, if, you know, everyone knows someone with a mental health issue, you know, if they don't have it themselves, then someone in their lives does. 
So it's important that we talk about it. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to touch on, you mentioned how it went right through the pandemic. Like This is a common thing that um, I run up against as an educator. After the pandemic, after we went back, I noticed in my students, because my students are late teens, early 20s, most of them, that many more of them seem to have issues with... I wrote a whole article about this. I could send it to you about how, um, like, more anxiety. They would email me and say, I'm just not, you know. One girl, one time I went in to start the class, and a, a girl came up and was talking to me. And said, sir, and usually when I'm starting the class, I'm, like, busy doing stuff. And, she, you know, she said, and I looked at her face, and she was wearing a mask, but her eyes went up. I was like, okay, I better go talk to her. And we got in the hall. She's like, I'm having this panic thing. I can't stay. And I, I knew she was telling the truth, you know, so she went away and she ended up actually not completing the course and I, and I noticed this as a higher thing and I thought this is probably a result of the pandemic oh yeah this the is pandemic probably right I mean because sure. if you take a, a young person right you know a person who's in their teens and they're learning how to socialize and everything and they have let's say they have a sort of already they're a little bit socially anxious, but they, you know, and you shut them up in a house for a year and a half and put them in front of a screen, they're going to get more anxious. They're well, going to get, you know, for, I'm talking about young people here. You're I not think, young, I think not young. we take for granted too, like just how much courage it takes to do everyday things, yeah, you know, especially yeah. like joining in with a group of people in a group activity. And before the pandemic, it was something we would do regularly and we didn't think about it so much anymore. But, because it had become a habit, you know, yeah. and habits are easy. It's almost harder not to do a habit, right? So, um, so you know, we were in the habit of getting together with people and everything was fine. But then you take that away for a couple of years and then you're faced with doing it and it becomes like a new thing again. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you realize like all that courage you were using that you took for granted, you know, that it took well, to like. Was it courage? It, it now takes courage to go back yeah. into that habit. It's a good question about if it's courage. I, I don't know. It yeah, could I, be. It I could think be. it does take courage yeah. to like socialize and be social. You know, you have to have a, you know, you can't be insecure. You have to be confident. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, what's one of the, I mean, I, I, I'm very. Um, distressed about the effects of the, of the lockdowns. I think that I don't even like saying the term pandemic because the pandemic was the virus that spread around the world that killed a lot of people that was very dangerous. But what we're really talking about is our reaction to that. Yeah. Shutting everything down, which really are two separate things because different places did different things, right? You know, right. Sweden or Florida or whatever, they were not doing like here in Quebec, you know, so there's very much an element there of choice that we made those as choices. I, I just want to make that very clear for anyone listening. Those were not, the pandemic was a virus. Like that was not a choice, right? There was no choice for that virus to come along. You know? so, so we're dealing with the effects of those choices now, I think. I think that's one of the things, especially places that like we had a pretty severe lockdown. In, well, in my Quebec. neighbor uh, at the time, uh, up until recently was uh epidemiologist yeah and uh, i remember we were talking at the beginning of the pandemic uh, like the very very beginning before any kind of measures were put in place you know um that uh he said uh, he knew they were going to be lockdowns and he could tell from statistics that there was going to be a rash of psychological problems afterwards you know it was just like 
it was a calculated risk, you know, like yeah. they knew, but they did it anyways to save lives. Well, maybe, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, there's a whole long question, but whether it did or not, I've heard similar things. I had a guy in my Uber once who was um, a recovering alcoholic and he had his own business run on the plateau and stuff. And he mentioned, this was in 2021, how some number of his friends, like 10 or a dozen, had committed suicide oh, who were in God. recovery from alcohol and drugs. And he said, he said, if you're a drug addict or an alcoholic, you need to go, you need to, you know, if you're shut up alone, that's the worst thing that can happen. You're more likely, that's what he was explaining to me. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, my God, when he told me that, you know, it just was like a bomb hitting me of how awful that is as a... You know, it's an anecdote, so who knows how, right? You know, I mean, you could also talk numbers, but um, anyway, okay. I just not sure. I mean, there's no way to conclude the effects of the pandemic on you. Do you think there was any effect? At first, I thought no, because I was such a shut in, anyways. Right. Like, yeah. I stopped going to bars a long time ago. Um, I don't go out for coffee. Um, like my my life was basically I was a stay at home hermit uh, even before <laughs> right. the pandemic. So, it so at the beginning, I thought, well, this is just business as usual. Now everyone is forced to live like me and see what my life is like, you know. And I thought I was adjusting really well, but uh, but well, we just, just sorry to interrupt, but you I just want to make clear what was interesting to me was you you mentioned your creative streak went right through it as I, like you said right through till last yeah, year, 2022 yeah. right yeah, yeah so that's that means that you were still you were running on full on creativity yeah. right through the yeah. whole thing so in that sense it didn't affect your right yeah it didn't but yeah. uh after a while um it's like the domino effect, you know? It's It started really affecting my friends. Mm, I see. And yeah. uh, all my friends started getting affected by it, you know? And so I'm very empathic. So when my friends started suffering, I kind of started suffering in sympathy for them, you know? Right. And uh, so I think, um, I think eventually, yeah, it did... Uh, That's really interesting that, that, it, that it had a kind of a circuitous route on... You know, it took time because it it took time for your friends because you weren't immediately affected. I was immediately affected as an educator, right? Because you're sent home right away, yeah. Right, you know, right, and all this, and I had to I had to yeah. adapt to Zoom, and I adapted. I figured it out and all that stuff, and um, and of course, then we went back. But it it um, it had so perhaps that immediacy made made like it, you know, in your case, you were at home anyway. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a big shock for me, you yeah. know. I, I wasn't sent home from work, you know. I didn't uh, right. it didn't upend my life that much, you know. And um, then later on when you when your friends were uh, the longer term effects on friends started to manifest themselves. You started to feel a sense of uh, well, you as you mentioned. I just felt like the whole community was brought down by it psychologically. You know, like everyone just kind of. When you say community, you mean your community in NDG. Yeah, my little like right, my little section area of NDG, and you know all the people I know. I think just across the board, everyone was just down. You know, and understandably so. You know, Um, and so. I, I totally agree. I, th- I think that I, I, I totally think your um, your description. I think it's very interesting because it seems like by the time we got to the beginning of 2022, that was a kind of like I don't know how to explain this, but there was a breaking point. Like I mean, the whole trucker convoy came at that point. It was almost yeah. like it was like 
in, in this country, I'm talking about in Canada, there was a kind of a, that's it. This is, we've gone too far with this stuff. You know, like, and it sounds like that coincided with your, when you said earlier last year. You, well, yeah, the trucker right? convoy. I'm not saying the convoy caused your depression. No, but, but it, yeah. my, my, my mania coincided with the freedom convoy. Um, and I got, I did get very, uh, swept up in the whole drama that was going on and the debating around that. And, um, I felt like, uh, I felt like there was just a lot of like nasty propaganda being circulated about the uh, nature of the convoy and stuff like that. And spoiler I, alert, there was, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You know, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, go and ahead. And I, I got into a big falling out with a fellow musician online on Facebook. It was quite overblown and dramatic. Interesting. And I ended up writing a song about it that used his name. Oh, boy. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, that, posting that must, it, that's not... Posting it on my Bandcamp got my whole Bandcamp website shut down. Oh, man. So that was like five years of work, like oh, hundreds no. of songs. Do, do, do you regret that? Because you were you I also, do, yeah. You do, okay. But you were also, I mean, you're, I don't know, you're following a form of expression. Can you explain why they shut it down? Because you outed him? I, I really don't want to, like, get okay. into the right, specifics. Okay. Sorry, because, yeah, I, I don't want to make you a Because uh, I did break the terms and conditions okay. of the handcuffs. Right. Okay, um, okay. And it was really overboard. Like, I really went overboard in my disdain for this person's uh political views and i really do regret it you know like okay. i just feel like i should have just walked away from the outset from what right. he said i should have just kept my mouth shut and yeah i'm, I'm a kept bit scrolling. yeah yeah you keep know. scrolling right i mean I, i'm a, i'm a big i should just be very blunt i'm a big free speech promoter i think free speech is like an, an extremely important thing and i think it's the crux of many debates that are going on in the world, and it sounds like I would say that you were with that's just my outside view that you were within your rights. It may not be nice what you did, and you may regret it in the sense that free speech can include saying insulting things, but it doesn't mean you should say them. Just because you're free to say something does not mean you should say it. It's, I don't know if that makes sense. You know? Yeah, it does. And I think uh, the way I said it was not like uh, malicious or, uh, or, uh, I don't think I told any lies. I told like, I told the story of our disagreement in the song, okay. and I don't think I said anything in the song that didn't happen. But you I, still feel like you were you went too far. I feel like I went too far. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I appreciate you mentioning this because it, it, it actually there's something I noted down. I wanted to talk about was that. And this is direct, seems directly connected to, if we look at the political debates we see, especially on social media, there seems like we're almost living in a kind of bipolar society, you know? Yeah, uh, like, well, it seems to be only the people on the extremes who are talking, you know, like no one. Yeah. Well, no, I, like voice yeah. of the moderate. Well, it, it's sort of like, I, I'm just, you know, it's sort of like, um, I don't know how to just look at my notes here because I, this struck me as I was preparing for this. You know, the way, the way that some people, if you look at social media debates and, I, you know, and all this stuff and the way that people are sorting themselves. Like I have a good friend who ran for the uh, People's Party, who's a French-Canadian local guy. 
And he he was one of these people who was, you know, anti-lockdown, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. And he set himself a deadline. He said, if the Legault government gets elected again with a majority, I can't live here. Like, I just can't live in a place like this. And he's gone to live in Florida, this guy, okay. you know. And so it's so we're seeing this, and this and it's just one person. But this I find terrifying, that people are sorting themselves geographically depending on what their political views are. Because... I mean, if we live in a community, if someone has a different political opinion, they're still my fellow citizen, right? I shouldn't have, I shouldn't view that person as an evil person just because they have a different political view from me, right? You, you know what I mean? And this is what struck me about, I was reading um, the, the NDG Echo article, very, very good article. I recommend anyone out there listening should read that. It's by, what's the woman's name? Julie Petit. Right, she's, uh, she's Paul Gott's... Uh, she's somehow connected to Paul Gott. Uh, she's Paul Gott's uh, ex-wife, and okay. she used to write for the Montreal Gazette. Yeah, this is in the NDG Echo, and it's, um, I don't know, you know, the title I forget, could you? It was uh, something about Newfound Zen. Newfound John Zen, Jordan's John Jordan. So if you Google uh, NDG Echo, John Jordan Zen, it's very well written, but the, this description in there about the, the way that you saw or people suffering bipolar see like good and evil, like this kind of like... This, well, that's just right? me. I, I yeah. don't want to speak for myself. I wouldn't say that's how everyone with bipolar sees things. But yeah, when I um, I when I when have these manic episodes, uh, I sometimes think that there's this like war on earth between angels and demons and yeah. everyone's on one side or the other. And I kind of like, I'm in this constant state of evaluating like what side people are on, if they're on the side of the angels or the side of the demons, you know, it's... And you and presumably are right. on the side of the angels. I don't even know. Yeah, you don't know. I don't even know myself. <laughs> right. Because you know? whenever I hear people who talk like this, like people sort of hardline religious people or whatever, it's always like they're always on the side of the angels, which is like, how do they know that? Like, how, like if I'm on the side of the angels, how do I know I'm on the side of the angels? How could I be, like, just when I think about myself, right? I, I could be one of the demons, right? I mean, if half the people are angels and half are demons, then there's a 50% chance that I'm a demon. So yeah, I I, I, I <laughs> you know? oscillate between both, you know. It's, uh, but uh, yeah, it's very um, well. It's I just, very disturbing. Well, I just I, I I was struck by reading that because it this is something we see more and more on like the way people argue about political, mostly political things. There's this kind of like if you have this opinion, you must be there's something must be something evil about. Yeah, you. there's you this can't, thing about right? judging people's character based on their opinions. Right, you know? right, so, and and. And then putting them in an evil or a good yeah. camp, like you're on the right side of history, you're with BLM or whatever it is, like you're or whatever. If you're on the right side, it would be, well, you're not woke, like you're fighting the woke, or you know what I mean. Like I'm not yeah. even taking a side here. Like I, I don't want to sound like I'm. I'm just saying that that type of almost bipolarity seems to have become a part of our social discourse. If that makes sense, I, I don't know. I mean, did, I wonder if that? it's just human nature to like somehow divide up and take sides you know yeah. if that's just like hardwired into us you know if we have to like there always has to be an other you right. know right. there's there's us and them you know and it's always and that's like what i was doing all the time was like are they in us or are they a them you know and yeah so so you would basically imagine 
you would evaluate every interaction in the sense of whether the person was on the side of the angels or on the side of the evil, yeah. something like that, and then, right? And it wasn't even didn't even have to be interactions. I would just stare at people walking on the street <laughs> and like try and imagine what they were. You know, it was really uh, that's amazing. How, how would you do that? You would look at a person. You what you judge the way they're dressing, the way or? they're dressed, the way they hold themselves. You know, uh, weird. Wow. Like strange criteria that I can't even remember now that I would be using to evaluate people. Uh, I don't know. That's really interesting. I yeah. I guess that I guess that strikes me as part of the mental illness. Would be it sounds like it took over your whole being. Like in other words, everything that you're looking at and seeing in the world has to go through that good evil lens, including the people on the street and when you're interacting. Right? Does yeah. That seem yeah. reasonable. To yeah, say? for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know how to think about that. I mean, I, I, I just, I'm struck by that. It, just to close the thought about this social bipolarity, I think it's somewhat of a dangerous thing that we're under, that we're in. I, I don't want to make too much of it. But I don't think it's anything yeah. new. That's probably I, I think, true. I think yeah. it's, I think we've always been that way, you know? Um, maybe there's this perception now that we, we see it like printed out in black and white on, on social media, you know, it's quantifiable now, you know, yeah. we can, we can almost measure it. Mm. But, uh, but I think, I think, it's true. I think yeah. we've always been like that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, when you look back at religious wars in Europe, you see a similar thing. Often um, it seems to have more uh, in common with a religious form of thinking than a secular one. It seems mm -hmm. like a kind of thing when you see people get, because when you have a religious view, you can't, like if you believe something religiously, it's not like okay, I believe this because I've reasoned it out. That's not how it works. You believe it because it's it's the right thing to believe, right? So I think there's a bit of that going on too. There's a kind of a, a kind of a religious way of viewing these political things that I think is very unhealthy. You know, I, I sometimes wonder if some people might do better just going to church on Sundays. Not me. I'm I'm an atheist, but. Um, one thing I, I, you mentioned in this article, it's a very good article about you, you ha you've lost friends. You mentioned this earlier and you mentioned this thing about how you had friends who were loyal and, and I wanted to just talk a little bit about the role of loyalty in a friendship. I mean, what, um, how do you, you it, know? Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, like I said in the article, um, when I first got diagnosed and had my first manic episode in 2001, um, nearly all my friends close friends except for one um this guy rupert bottenberg who's a local artist um really just didn't want to have anything to do with me and rupert really stuck by me and like uh helped me out a lot but then there were all these like sort of secondary friends people i didn't know so well that really stepped up to help interesting um which was really eye-opening and um, your closer friends that you had at the time did not support you. They didn't much. know how to deal with it, right. you know, and they were too close. And so what I really learned and like, you know, that's why um, a lot of the times, like uh, if you look at an organization like Ami Quebec, um, which is a mental health group focused on the families of mm. people with mental illness more than the people with mental illness themselves. Right. And they, they teach the families how to cope with their family members who have right. mental illness. Um, because it's so much harder when there's emotional baggage, mm. you know, to see someone in that kind of psychological distress. Like you almost need someone who's more detached to come in right. and lend a hand, you know, because it's too painful. 
because you you've got so much love and care tied up in this person and to see them suffering like that is just heartbreaking so you need someone sometimes who's a little more detached doesn't have as much of an intimate connection with the person to kind of step in and say okay i'm gonna like hold your hand through this so that's really interesting so you the the people who were closer to you they were obviously ill-equipped to do that they yeah didn't, weren't aware of that so they were less likely to help you and these people who were further away from you were better equipped perhaps because they had less of a direct tight connection exactly yeah one, right exactly yeah boy that's really that really has nothing to do with loyalty exactly then it's, no it's right? um yeah you you kind of think uh you kind of think like the onus is on the people who are closest to do the heavy lifting. That that would be the immediate assumption. That would be the immediate, right? yeah. but they're really the yeah. least qualified people yeah. to do it. It's a lot like how um, a lot of times, sadly, like when our parents are growing older, the kids are not the best qualified people to take care of the parents because the parents never stop looking at them as their little babies. Right. Right. So they can't accept them as authority figures in their life, right? So that's why, you know, unfortunately, like is the case with my mother, my mother, I can't take care of my mother. She would never let me take care of her. So she has to live in a nursing home because she can't take care of herself. And, you know, she I'd wouldn't be, allow you to be, be the one, she, right? No, she would she would block me at every turn. Right, you right. Know? Yeah. Um, so, so not wouldn't allow you, but just, it, it would create a kind of enmity between you two. If you, if, if you were somehow forced into this, cause you know, some people, some families actually do end up in that situation. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I have, I, I have one friend who is kind of going through this. It's a very difficult time where there's exactly this dynamic going on between the, the parent and the child. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it's really tough because we it, there's a great guilt being the the child. Like you, you feel like, well, my job as a child too is my parent is now growing older. I should that that's how I felt with that's how I have felt with both my parents. I, I feel like I should be doing more. They're, you know, my mother passed away early last year. Oh, sorry. Yeah, thanks. And she and I, I tried. She had grown up in Montreal. She didn't live here anymore. So I, I had tried for a very long time for her to come, you know, to come back and live so we could help her. Right, my wife <coughs> would go over and, and she wanted to. You know, she was kind of she would come and look at things and the property and stuff and then go away again. And, and it was just exactly as you described this there was it was impossible for her i think and maybe for me you know it's hard to you know to kind of turn the relationship around because when a person becomes unable to take care of themselves that's terrifying in in and of its own right but it maybe it's more terrifying if the person that you babied is the one that you if they're the one coming and doing that to you, that might make it more terrifying, perhaps. I yeah, I think it's just you know, it's just biology. I think you know, there's just uh, <laughs> we're not we're not wired for our kids to take care of us. Yeah, know, because yeah. we're supposed to be taking care of them. That's the way we're wired. On, on the other hand, I mean, just to to look, to flip it around a little bit, there are you know millions of people around the world. That's the common way that's that the, people live. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, in my yeah. wife's country, in the Dominican Republic, there multi-generational households are the norm and somehow that seems to i don't know maybe they have the same types of psychological issues in those environments i don't know you know i i, I don't know i don't know how to think about that like why is it a more of a problem for us than it is for 
how many thousands of generations have gone before us. You know, like I, I think it's still a problem, but it's just a cultural thing that that's what you do. You put up with it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have a more individualistic uh, way of framing things. I yeah. think is part of it. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, let me just see here. I had a couple of things I wanted to talk about before we move to music. Um, yeah, this, this, the fact of being depressed, we were chatting about this, um, yesterday, I think on using on chat and you mentioned something that I've experienced briefly, which is a terrifying thing where I'll, I'll be very anxious or just not feeling very good or something. And I'll put on music and I won't enjoy the music. And it, it's very, very frightening to me. Like, I, and I always feel like what's wrong i'm not this is a song i love listening to it normally it makes me feel really good and i'm just hearing it it sounds like any other boring song that I would. right and and you mentioned this too that you couldn't take enjoyment yeah it, it's right? uh it's, it's that... never been quite this bad before like when i when i've been through depressions like i just find no joy in anything i don't I don't like listening to music. I don't like eating food. I don't like having sex. I don't like yes. watching TV and movies. I don't get anything out of it. Um, I. What do you do? I mean, what you know? That's that's a lot of, of stuff. That, I, that's eliminating a lot of. My I, life. I put on TV shows I've already seen and move okay. them on just All for right. background noise while I doom scroll on my phone. That's okay. Like yeah. What my so familiarity for. seems to be soothing. Is yeah, one way like, to think about it is that. Yeah, something I don't have to pay attention to. That's just right, kind of taking right. up space in the background to keep me from just uh, being alone with my thoughts. You know, something to just fill in the space between my ears. That's basically all I. Uh, yeah. Do Do you do. know what I mean? What do medical professionals say about this? Like, like, is you, you may have more experience with psychologists and doctors and stuff. Did, well, they have just you ever asked they just prescribe you drugs, right? You know, yeah, okay, that's it. So I decided I'm taking an antidepressant for the first time in 20 years. I've always been very uh, leery of them, you know, because I don't want to have a manic episode. Because mm -hmm. uh, when I first, uh, that's how I got into this mess was in 2001. I was depressed and they prescribed me an antidepressant, but they didn't think I had bipolar. So they didn't prescribe me a mood stabilizer to go along with it to keep me from getting cool. manic. Right. So I was on this antidepressant for a couple of weeks and then it was like a three month long acid trip after that. Wow. So um, I've always been very reluctant to try them, but. Uh, when you say a three month long acid trip, do you literally mean you were not hallucinating, but just the way that LSD changes your perception? Like, were you... Yeah, it was not hallucinating, but definitely being, like, not in this reality for three months, you know, and thinking, wow. I thought I was a superhero, and I was fighting crime, and, uh, wow. da, 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 and all this stuff. So that, that, and that came from the antidepressant that was yeah. not mixed with a mood stabilizer, yeah. Do, do you feel that the, because this is, what my question is, I'd like to I want to understand why is it that our senses would be so deadened that things that you would normally, that I, you know, like that has happened to me in very tangential ways. For you, it's going on for a long time. Just, I just, I'm just really sort of curious about the 
the mechanics of that in our brains. I, I, cause I, I don't know. They, they don't tell you, they just tell you to take antidepressants. They don't have any. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And to, yeah. you know, get out, get exercise, eat well, you know, the, all the all basic the usual, stuff, all the usual yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I, I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to think about that, but, uh, okay. Uh, I want to go to the music in just a little bit, but, um, this, another thing about you that I, I found in my research is this courtyard in your building, which has, a, which has a bunch of paintings of cats. And yeah. Cats it's called the uh, Alley Cat Gallery. Um, yeah, this is a really cool I live, thing. uh, I live in NDG in Montreal on, uh, Sherbrooke Street West, uh, between Harvard and Wilson. And, um, I live in a complex of four buildings that surround a little courtyard, and I've been there since 2008, and we were always, always, always getting tagged by uh, graffiti, uh, you know, just the tags, nothing really nice or anything, and I felt bad for, we have two landlords um, for the four buildings, and they were always having to clean the graffiti off, and some of the graffiti that they were never able to clean off said, kill my landlord on one wall. <laughs> wow. And okay. I was there for years and years, and it was a constant problem. Like, we were getting new tags all the time. And um, in 2013, um, first I took in a cat. I adopted a cat from the SPCA named Humbert. He was a two-year-old uh, Maine Coon uh, cat. And then that was in on April 20th. And then... On September 1st, I took in a roommate who was this guy uh, who was, um, he did a lot of construction type stuff. He was a building manager for a big real estate company. And, um, and so in 2014, after they'd both been there for like a year, we were just sitting in the courtyard having beers and watching them clean the graffiti off the walls. And we just kind of started brainstorming over like what we could do to deter the graffiti. So first we thought, oh, why don't we paint a mural? You know, and we thought, well, it's kind of permanent. Over it. Yeah. We'll never get permission, you know. And so we we're like, what can we do that's not permanent and we wouldn't need permission to do? And someone, as it happened, threw out um, like a, a kitchen table, a round circular kitchen table. And I said, why don't I paint a design on that tabletop and we'll just screw it to the wall. And if they don't like it, we'll just unscrew it and take it off. And so we decided to do that. So I painted this design, which was like a yin-yang with a black cat and a white cat. And uh, in the dead of night, at the end of September that year, we just put it up on the wall. And Can, um, can I just quickly ask you, yeah. so you took off the tabletop. Yeah, the, just okay. The so you separated the legs. You had this basically a flat tabletop that you right. could paint on, and it was round. Yeah, and you made a circle on it that had a yin yang, and you drew some cats in there, and then you mounted it up on the wall in the middle of the night. Right. That is so cool, man. That and is I, great. I chose the yin yang because our landlords, my landlord is uh, Vietnamese, uh, the other landlord is Chinese, and. Uh, the uh, businesses around us are Chinese and Korean. So I figured the yin-yang would kind of like appeal to everyone. 
And lo and behold, they really liked it. They thought it was really cool. And we said, do you mind if we keep putting up pictures? So so you did it clandestinely. Like yeah. You, but they, and figuring that they would not like it or they would, because, I mean, clearly, if they didn't Our mind it, you could just put it up in the middle of the day. Right? Our philosophy yeah. was <laughs> it's better to ask for forgiveness than yeah. permission. What's that? It's an expression, right? Yeah. Better to beg for forgiveness than ask for permission. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what we went with. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I'm just making sure. I just want to uh, say something. So this is Sherbrooke West because I know there's a Korean supermarket around there somewhere. It must be that's at Beaconsfield. Yeah, Beaconsfield is that nearby? It's about uh, six blocks away. Okay, yeah. So I, I know that area. It's a very nice. Um, I have friends who live in NDG, and uh, our mutual friend Graham uh, lived in yeah. NDG for yeah. a very long time. He's now shout out to Graham Ford. Hey, Graham. If he's listening to this. Um. Yeah. Okay. So then, the the landlord liked this. They turned like you figured right. That you you thought they might or might not or whatever. But so you did it clandestinely. They they liked it. And what did they, did they know it was you? How did they know it was you? Uh, there was little. There was no one else in the building who would have done it. Okay. So, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so no other sort of musician type people or artists. We had already. Uh, yeah. We had already started. Um, that summer, we had put out a table in the courtyard and some chairs. <clears throat> and since I was working from home, I spent a lot of time there. And it became quite popular with the other neighbors. They would come down and we'd gather in the courtyard and have drinks and stuff like that all summer. Um, so they kind of knew. And I had I had already started, because um, I, I wanted to train my cat to be an outdoor cat, right? So before I had never much spent time in the courtyard, which everyone calls an alley because it's kind of very narrow, you know? Um, and it looks like a back alley, and it's often full. It was at the time often full of trash. Um, so you'd sit out there with your cat. So I'd go out with my cat on a leash yeah. and like train him to go outside. I did that for like three or six months or something. And so I started getting uh, a little bothered by the decrepit state of the right, alley because right. people would would do drugs there. They you know hole up in one of the doorways and drink booze there. They'd go to the bathroom in the alley. It was really yeah. gross, you know. But so, if you're sitting there, they wouldn't do that. Exactly. Yeah, so right. that's why I decided to put a table out and stay out there with my cat all day. And like, and there was you're like a, the neighborhood watch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. that's great. Man. And there was a florist next door, so I started buying plants from the florist and hanging them from the fire escapes and stuff like that. And we had plants everywhere. So uh, it was pretty obvious that if anyone was going to put something up on the walls, it was me. So the landlord's like, right, right, you right. know, okay. So the landlord figured it out. That's really cool. So the landlord must, if you know, if I'm a landlord, so I understand the the, the positive aspect of having a tenant who is present and making my building a better place, right? Mm. And the landlord may have thought, well, this guy's, you know, kind of an artistic kind of a guy, but he's cleaning up the courtyard and he's got, you know, there's. Because the landlord doesn't want people peeing and no. defecating and doing drugs and everything in, in outside his building either, right? Presumably. It's not yeah. Something. No, right? no, they were very grateful. Um, in fact, uh, when I had my manic episode in 2019, um, I wrote Kill My Landlord on my Facebook page. And, uh, and someone told my landlord, because he's not on Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, they tried to use that as the basis to have me evicted. So I had to go to the regie. I had to go to the rental board. Really? Um, and I won. I didn't get evicted. Uh, so that was good. Can, can, but, I just, uh, can I just quickly stop you for a second? The, the charge was that you had made some sort of a death threat? And yeah, they, on Facebook. Yeah. Wow, okay. 
But um, forgive me, but that again back to my free speech thing is like what? I mean, it's obvious that I mean you didn't really mean it. That seems clear, right? Right. I, I don't know. So. Did they actually get up in, in, in the regie and present and say, well, you know, Mr. Jordan was making a threat. I felt, you know, for my safety. No, he didn't even say, no. he, he didn't push it very hard. It was mostly his, uh, he has partners. He's part of a, like, real estate group. You right. know, they own a bunch of buildings. And um, and uh, he didn't push very hard at all. And, That's good. That's good. Okay. And we're on good terms now. We talk all the time. That's good. Uh, he's, okay. he's apologized for taking me to court. Oh, that's nice. Okay, I'm glad yeah. you work it out. The reason I'm, because this is sort of a bugbear of mine, the human rights commissions I find to be, like at any time when you have a court structure that doesn't have the regular rules of innocent till proven guilty, you can have, it sounds like in this case, he didn't he didn't abuse it the way that, uh, like, you know, the Mike Ward case, for example, right? Is it, yeah. It makes me think of when you have an, an extra judicial court, let's say, there can be abuses and this is a bit of an odd sort of sideline case there um okay so what about music let's transition to music as we move towards clothing closing um uh what are your main influences like when you were because you were you were um or you still are with me mom and morgan right well we're not active anymore um we uh, we aren't doing anything these days uh, my big influences growing up were uh, the Beatles and uh, Kiss, Kiss, and Queen yeah. and uh, AC/DC and okay, yeah, David Bowie and the yeah. Beatles. The Beatles, yeah, okay. Um, but my big influence for uh, becoming a musician was uh, Fishbone. Was Fishbone. a big band for me. Um, they their front man's very. Uh, dynamic and uh, flamboyant saxophone player and he really inspired me to want to play live okay sure. interesting yeah i have a recollection of fishbone they were big i guess in the 90s or the 80s and i remember the, the 90s, music yeah. i think i had a couple of their records i remember really liking they were a very unique sound I, yeah you know, but you're talking about their performance their yeah their performances right? were crazy you know so much energy and just great dancing and so that that was the thing that made you want to get up on the stage and do, yeah, kind of sure. copy them, kind of thing. Do something because we all start out by copying. Yeah, them right. and the specials. The specials did that for me too. Um, and I saw them both for the first time around the same time. Okay, so this is around eighties, eighty six, eighty six. Okay, interesting. Yeah, didn't the specials? They're they're. Um, sort of not in the news but didn't one of them just pass away the singer just passed away terry hall yeah right. just passed uh, last yeah. week i think yeah yeah the specials are a group that i i sort of never really figured out i was really into a lot of punk and a lot of um a lot of british stuff like the clash and and uh, stuff like that but the specials were kind of on a parallel track to the clash and the sex Pistols oh very much of, yeah right? especially were, the clash yeah there's yeah. a lot of parallels between the clash and the sex pistols yeah. well there's the reggae i mean because I, I listen I, I don't know what it is about the specials i just can't get into i don't know why because i can hear they're really good it's just that they're a very unique sound because I, I went and listened to because they have this song called monkey man 
Right. Right. And so I went and listened to it. I was like, I know that song. It's one of their famous hits. But I thought it was like, are they covering the Rolling Stones? Like, no, it's totally not. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so anyway, but their sound is, first of all, when I was listening to it that, that the other day, I could hear, I could hear the Afro beat. I could hear the reggae and ska, like they were a ska band. Right. So there's a whole Jamaican influence uh, there that is really and I noticed in your music you've got a, a, a lot of that in the, the things I've oh, listened to oh for sure yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure for sure I'm very uh, still very much influenced by uh, Sky and Punk and The Clash and the specials and reggae as well like Jamaican stuff I mean is it oh yeah for yeah. sure I do yeah. a lot of um, I used to do a lot of recording with uh, this guy Tim Dub who was the drummer for the Planet Smashers a long time ago when he was young. And then he went into producing. And um, he lived in Jamaica for about 10 years, wow. up until a few years ago. And he would come up twice a year to Montreal, once in the summer, once in the Christmas time. And we would get together, me, him, and a bass player at a studio in Montreal West, and we would just record instrumentals. Wow. Tim would play guitar, keyboards, and drums. Tony would play bass, and I would play sax. And uh, we would just crank out, like, we would probably do, in a month, we would do, like, 40 instrumentals. Wow. Nice. And then Tim would take those back to Jamaica and get Jamaican singers to sing on top of them. Oh, that's so cool, And he man. worked with uh, <laughs> guys, Luton Faya is pretty big. Um, we had a video we did with Loot and Fire that got like two and a half million views. Is he the guy? Because I like uh, the one video I've seen Graham did, it's sort of a jokey song, it's all good in NDG. Yeah, that's our Is song. That him? That's the, no, that's my okay, song. Because there, there's Mello a black G. guy in the car. That's Melody G. Yeah, okay, he's yeah. an NDG okay. singer. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so that's not the guy who lives in Jamaica part of the time. No, but okay. they've worked together. They've oh, okay. worked together before. Okay. Yeah. yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated with Jamaica as a as a uh, sort of a, a place for in the world of music, let's say. A lot of, I mean, I love music from Jamaica, for one thing. I, I did a whole podcast with a guy who's sort of an expert in Jamaican music and punk Martin Deck of Windsor, Ontario was kind of, you know, um, and one of the things about Jamaican, like Studio One and, you know, the, the time in the, is that there was this in huge over, not overproduction, but just enormous amount of music coming out of it. Yeah. So much, right? So, you know, and I remember reading once about how J Jamaica, this was back, it was on some liner notes about how more music was produced in Jamaica. This is in the 60s, 70s and 80s per person like than any other country in the world and you think and you sort of wonder like what's going on there's something about the particular jamaica has these unique things about it it's got like hot runners right there's these fast runners that come from, like what is that like is that mm -hmm. you, know, you know what i mean why is so much music you know there's these yeah, questions yeah. little island in the caribbean nobody cares about it's got this these funny and yet it's all messed up like it's like really screwed up with like drugs and problems and stuff you know it's very interesting contradictions have you ever been there no i've never gone I've I've always wanted to go. You should go visit your friend. Yeah, for sure. Might be something interesting too. Yeah, I have. Um, well, Melody's uncle is a friend of mine. Um, he's this guy named Biggs, and Biggs is building a house down there. Nice. So he says he's going to take me once the house is ready, and I'll have a place to stay. So that would be I'm really cool. I mean, to, yeah. you know, it's I'm I'm kind of thinking that if you're gonna 
sort of, I don't know, it would kind of like give you something to do, right? Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. It's uh, it's not expensive to fly there and then if you have a place to stay, right? You know? Yeah, for sure. So. And he knows all the musicians down there, right? Oh, like he man. knows Barris Hammond is good friends with and so, um, so I'm you sure can, I get to meet a lot of people. We get to probably play in the studio while I was there. Man, that is so cool. Bring your sax. Oh, for sure. Yeah, man. Okay. All right. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking as we move towards closing, if, if you do that, I'd love to have you back on to talk to you about that. For sure. That sounds yeah. like something that could be the basis of. Um, about music, I mean, first of all, um, you mentioned Me, Mom, and Morgan Teller. First thing I want to ask you about Me, Mom, and Morgan Teller is because I, I knew them. And, you know, they were around when I was a younger person. They were popular. I've always loved the name. <laughs> the name is a very, how shall I put this, a very politically incorrect name. <laughs> if anybody doesn't know, there was a, a man called uh, Morgan Teller who had an abortion clinic in Montreal in the 70s and 80s sometime mm -hmm. when abortion was still not legal. So it was a very controversial thing. This is a really long time ago. So... Obviously, you're making a kind of a very crude, I don't know how to make a joke or, well, the, I don't know, is that... When the band was formed, they were, most of those, most of them were, I wasn't in the band at the very beginning. I was just friends with them. But most of them were going to Marianopolis. Okay. CJEC, yeah. the college, Marianopolis College. Yeah. And they put the band together uh, to perform at uh, Talent Night okay. that they were also organizing. And they wanted to come up with a name that would piss off the nuns <laughs> at the school. So they were like, now how... What's a way to say something that's going to yeah, exactly, really you know? get a nun to get upset? Which yeah. probably isn't that hard if he just makes any anti... Anything about religion, right? Yeah. How they got yeah. from that concept to me, Mom, and Morgan Tyler, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> but uh, the nuns thought it was hilarious. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's all it's but like, they wouldn't yeah. let them play the cafeteria under that name. Okay. They drew the line. Okay. Yeah. The talent show was at the McGill Union Ballroom, but then later they were going to play the cafeteria and they wouldn't let them put up posters with the name. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of places that's took great. offense at the name. Like, we could never play the Maritimes. Really? Because that's where really? Morgan Taller was yeah. in jail. He was in jail in Nova Scotia okay, for the clinic uh, in Halifax. Yeah, so he did jail time in the Maritimes. Wow. So that is still, uh, still a very... Uh, conservative yeah maritime canada i could imagine and this is in the 90s yeah. i'm thinking right so that things were um you know that's 30 years ago now right so yeah. um people in maritime candidates yeah i don't know if you've ever been to nova scotia and new brunswick oh, i have family there. that's where my mom is yeah so okay scotia, yeah. yeah it's a more sort of especially new brunswick in particular is very socially conservative and uh, nova yeah. scotia seems a bit different Halifax seems sort of hip and cool and everything. And then, you know, there's more sort of, what's the word? Rural. Rural, socially yeah. conservative uh, backbone yeah. in the countryside. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, just you're, you mentioned that you're going to have a 30th anniversary for the, that album. Um, the Shiva's face machine. Shiva's face, yeah. So, are you? Do you have anything planned for that? You? Uh, no, I just put it. I just made it free on our uh, oh, yeah? Bandcamp site and announced it yesterday. So, it'll okay. be free all year if you want to download it and okay. stuff like that. All yeah. right. Um, yeah, it's a good album. Uh, yeah, I was listening to a bunch of stuff because originally I, 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 we were going to talk more about the music of that. But um, what about um, just a couple of things the music interacting with your the changes in your mental health now i mean you know 
going forward, like, do you feel that you music can help you? Do you play sometimes? That when you're I never home? play. You I never play. just pick up the sax or the guitar or anything and really blow or strum. I just don't. I just and that's don't just do the depression. Just, it's just yeah. the depression. Yeah, yeah just not mood to do it at all. You know, I have a. I'm surrounded in my building by musicians. You know, my guitar player lives upstairs. And um, I have a great uh, keyboard player, drummer, who lives next door. And um, yeah, what happens I, when they come knocking on the door and go, "Hey, John, let's jam for a while"? You just like they know not to ask. Right, them, right, you know, okay. They know, okay. They know I'm just not up for it. Okay. Know? So there's no way that that doesn't that's not going to work as a kind of a therapy. It's just nah. maybe one day, yeah. maybe yeah. I'll come back to it. I hope I come back to it. You know, um, so do I. Because you're a good musician. I mean, Thank you. You are, and I'm. You know, I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to guilt you into it, but just it's like objectively true that you're a good musician, right? So like the world is the world is a less interesting place with you not playing, right? You know, and uh, but that's up to you, right? Yeah, well, you have to think yeah, about you more exactly. Than the world, I just right? gotta. Baby steps, left foot, That's right it. foot. That's, yeah. Maybe yeah. reach for the sax and the, you know, <laughs> something like that, right? Yeah. Um, what about music? I mean, just what do you think about music generally, like in the world today? Like, you know, popular music and different kinds of things that we hear, what people are listening to. I mean, do you have any comments on what? I don't really listen to yeah. much new music. I, no. just, I I don't like Spotify. I kind of refuse to use it on moral grounds. <laughs> so I never just like throw up, you know, shuffle on Spotify and pick a new artist playlist. And I don't really know what's going on out there. Right, really, right. I'm you... very typical like older middle-aged man who just listens to the stuff he knows and like doesn't yeah because i i'm very torn with that because i mean i you know we, we probably listen to a lot of the same stuff i mean the stuff you mentioned earlier you know the rolling stones and acbc and all that kind of stuff and i love listening to brian jonestown massacre i have certain things that i listen to when when i'm doing things that seem to help me do them my mind and that's one of them but i also try and listen to new trends and new developments just because i'm always curious about what's going on and there are usually are things happening you know it's always surprising to me that there still actually is good music it's kind of like wow that sounds kind of good and it's like came out last year or something you know but what you, do you listen to when you're like well like spotify or um i usually <laughs> I, I usually this is going to sound really funny but um i have a few radio stations that because that's how i you know there's there's one that there's a radio station in um it's 94 7 that's in cornwall because i drive right um, and it's, this station is, I think it's on the, the reserve there, Aquasasmi. Like, I think it's, and so they, they, they're a very interesting station. They, they play all kind of like pop hit music or whatever. And they're, it's a very unusual station. There, there's no one language for the commercials. Like some of the commercials are in French, some are in English, which is really cool. Like, it's like, there's no other station in Montreal is like that. It's like English or French. It's very like, um, sort of rigid that way and i think what it is i think what that station is is they are on the indian reserve so they don't have to follow the canadian content regulations i think that's what it is <clears throat> okay. so they, they have mostly just and so every once in a while i hear something on there i'm like wow that's really really good like some rap or pop or something you know um yeah, um, but that that's basically how it, and also I have like some younger friends who plug me, well, one of my former students plugged me into this thing called UK Drill, 
which is a kind of a, a new form of uh, sort of rap music in, in Britain. It's really, really good. It's like, oh, yeah. if you like the specials, man, like it's kind of like, it's more like rap and hip hop in some senses, but very British. Like they all have British accents and they're, you know, so stuff like that, you know. Is that the name of the genre or the genre? Yeah, UK drill. Because that's the other thing about music today is it's so bifurcated into different genres and like there's like, like when you get into some of the Latin forms, there's a dembo and reggaeton, and they sub into all these other subcategories. Oh, yeah, that yeah. one's in Puerto Rico, and that one's in there, or whatever. Like it's like it's it's really hard to kind of keep up with all the different mm -hmm. music. It's, I think people are, you know, the idea of the mass format that we grew up with, where there was like you know it was a big band that would be touring. That doesn't seem to be the case now. There's all, no, you know, people are kind of into what they're into. They're into K-pop or they're into reggaeton or whatever. That UK drill stuff. There's a guy called Russ Millions who's really one of the UK drills, really good. And I, you know, I was like, who never heard of this guy? I go and look him up. He's touring around the UK to packed places in Britain, like big theaters, and and he's no one's ever heard of him here. <laughs> right? I just send me some yeah. of those links. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, all right. Um, anything else that you'd want to add about music just uh, before we close? Any? Yeah. Uh, well, um, you know, uh, I may not be doing much now, but I uh, do have a website. It's ndgska.com. Um, and that's got, you know, um, pretty much all the music I've made uh, in my career. It's a good sampling of where I've been and where I'm going. And, uh, yeah, it's up on Bandcamp. It's a Bandcamp website, so if you want to check that out, it's uh, ndgska.com. Cool. One thing I wanted to, uh, just before we close, ask you about, you said you didn't like Spotify. Like, just, what is it? I don't use Spotify. but I just find yeah. the, what they pay artists is insulting. Really and yeah, they, the fact that they're getting rich off. Uh, Have you seen the show about it? No. There's, I don't know if you've heard about this. There's, a, there's like a mini series of maybe six episodes all about the and it ranges from the founding of spotify in where is it sweden is it sweden somewhere know. and then it goes through and it goes heavily into this about how the they don't not pay the artists and then it actually extrapolates into the future like up to like it goes past through 2023 up to like 2026 when they're having these hearings in washington to force spotify to like pay their artists more and all this stuff right so you might enjoy that it's kind of like a just desserts and the you know <laughs> kind of, yeah it because you see my, my father's a musician he you know, so he, I grew up in understanding how, um, how do I put this, how, um, not precarious it is, but just how hard it is for me, for musicians to actually make a living because it's hard to do. And he was able to do it, but he had to do other stuff. He had to teach and everything. Well, like and, album sales just don't exist yeah. anymore, pretty much, you know, like no yeah. one buys albums anymore. Everyone yeah. streams everything for fractions of a penny at a... The, the YouTube streams are, I mean, it's just, it's insane. If you get like a million downloads, it's like $40 or something. I remember seeing the charts once and I was like, what? Like a million streams makes you $50 or something? Like, it's like, it almost doesn't make any sense. Like, how could it be that low? But I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. It's one of these things like, how, what's a solution to that? I, I have no idea. It's kind of like, it's almost like the cat's out of the bag. Artists today, what they do is they make money from touring. 
Yeah, that's that's yeah. how they. Uh, that's how most of the big pop artists think. Yeah, have you seen the ticket prices for? Yeah, <laughs> go to the Bell Center to see a show, right? You know, yeah, it's absurd. But I mean, you can't blame them because, like I said, album sales don't exist anymore. It just isn't a revenue stream. Yeah, just gone. Yeah. Okay. Um, listen, I want to thank you um, for a number of reasons. First of all, this has been really interesting. I also should just say it's. Um, I don't know that if I were in your position, I would be that brave because I, I I can't really imagine myself talking about something so deeply personal about myself. And that's not something positive about me, but it is something very positive about you. Um, I think you should, what's the word? I mean, I think you should take it as a compliment. That you oh, I do. Thank that. you. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And uh, I've had a lot of practice. Uh, talking, really? Yeah. I've always figured out like, uh, I'd rather be upfront than try yeah. to hide something, you know. I'd rather just have everything out on the table and let's talk about it and deal with it than try and pretend like everything's PG. Right, right, yeah. Well, it's very interesting because I could sort of imagine myself if I if I fell into a depression and I was depressed for a year or something and I came out of it, I could imagine myself doing a podcast talking about it, but I couldn't imagine while I was in it. You know, like, and you've, you've told me very openly, like, you're in this depression. Right? It's sort of, and it almost makes me say, wow, that's amazing that you're here i mean i'm like and there's something incredible about it because i think a lot of depressed people they just want to hide they well, don't want to do two it. weeks ago i wouldn't have been here right yeah. okay so I'm, maybe you yeah. know there's still ups and downs within the ups and downs you know so i Interesting. You, know, you caught me on a good day okay <laughs> all right yeah this was the sort of a spur of the moment thing okay so listen thanks again and i hope that um you know if i think that's a good plan this thing if you can get to jamaica I, th I think that, for, like, I'm just thinking for you. I yeah. would think that would be really good for you to go down there for a couple of weeks or a month or something and just whatever, maybe when you're feeling better or whatever, because if you're depressed, you're not going to want to go. I, I don't know. No, I wouldn't, yeah. yeah. Um, but if that happens, man, I think that would be I'd, – I'd love to have you come and just tell me stories about Jamaica. Well, I hope I can. All right, let's, let's, make, that a, let's make that a goal okay. for the future. All right, thanks, John. Thank you for listening to today's guest on the Mega Blast Podcast. I've been your host, Jason McDonald. This podcast is brought to you by Arts and Opinion, an online journal, which is also available in the permanent archives of Canada. Visit us online at artsandopinion.com. Thanks, Jason.